But I'll pray, and we'll talk about um, this year. God, I thank you for how you're working in Live Free Church. I thank you for how you're working in my life. I just look out at this, this group. Lord, and these are people that you've drawn to, to your church. Father, I pray that we'd know the freedom that's ultimately found in you, Jesus. That your gospel would set us free this year to be people who are known by you, who don't want to escape your presence. And in your presence, Lord, would produce joy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in January, usually it's a time, isn't it, of like reflection for people? Isn't it a time where people look back at the last year and then they have these like crazy goals for this coming year? Like maybe some people said they had some resolutions. I'm surprised when Dave put that on there. Um, that's a very like unique question to ask a group of people because sometimes two weeks from now, you might not actually have that resolution anymore, right? Like I love in January where the gym is always busy for like 10 days and then it clears out for the rest of the year, <laughs> right? Like, think about that. When you think about this coming year, don't, not only do we look back, but we actually look ahead so often. People in these two weeks of January often resolve to eat better, to get in shape, to, to read a certain amount of books. I'm part of an app called Goodreads, and people will pledge how many books they want to read that year. And the most depressing thing was when I looked at my last five years of pledging books, I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing, right? That we pledge a certain amount of books that we want to read this coming year. But these are the weeks that we actually say we want to be different types of people, that we actually want to become different, right? Because I think so often that we really care about who we're becoming, how we're being shaped and formed. When I look back at this past year, I've seen God at work in amazing ways. You see a live-free church... We did our first live service, our first outdoor live service, um, coming back from the pandemic at um, Camp Owasi. We had our first baptism, which was pretty remarkable, seeing Pierre get baptized. You can go watch that on our YouTube and our Facebook page. In September, we officially launched. We had three community groups that launched. We had a pastor, Pastor Dave, graduate from the, the Immerse program that we actually run here. We actually run a, a, a pastoral apprenticeship, um, Immerse, and it's a master's degree, and David graduated this past September. So we're excited about what God is doing. But you realize that this is only the beginning of God's work of Live Free Church in Kelowna. This is like the starting point. This is like ground zero. You see, I think when you talk about this past year, we talk about God's grace, God's love. How have you seen that in your own lives? Have you been looking for that in your own lives? I love this great quote by John Piper, and it makes me think about how, how big God is and how small we are. It says that God is doing 10,000 things, and we're aware of three of them. You see, it makes me wonder how often are we aware of what God's doing in our lives? Are we searching? Are we looking for God's grace in our lives? Are we looking as a church to see how God's moving? Or in the pandemic, are we just like so easily swayed by a news conference on New Year's Eve? Or two days before that? Or two days before that? You see, are we searching? Are we looking for God's grace? Are we looking for how God is active, not only in our church, but in our own lives? 
I love that quote that God's doing 10,000 things in our lives, but we're only aware of three of them. Just think about that collectively in our whole room. God's doing 100,000 plus things, and we're aware of maybe what? 25 of them. That shows us how much God infinitely loves us, cares for us. There's this passage that I really resonate with this past year in Matthew 11. And uh, I don't usually share from the message, but this is a, a passage which I like where Eugene Peterson writes it in this, this passage in this way. He says here, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, it makes me wonder so often, what does it look like for us as a church to learn unforced rhythms of grace? What does it look like to search for God's grace, not only in our church, in our own lives, in a city called Kelowna, in a province called British Columbia, in a country called Canada? How do we look for God's grace? Because when you look for God's grace, so often it naturally flows out of you, seeing it, looking for it. This past year, my friend said, you know, I just was like in a really kind of toxic mindset. And he said, you should just you do this thing where you actually, every day, you write a list of gratitude, things you're thankful for. Maybe I've shared this before, but the first time I did it, I wrote thankful, dash, and I couldn't figure out what to be thankful for. <laughs> I was like, what am I thankful for? And I was like, ah, I guess my house, my children, church. You know, it didn't come naturally. It's like those people who go to the gym on January 2nd or 3rd or 4th, right? Their muscles are not built to work out, right? So they, they work out and their muscles are so exhausted and so like sore that for the next week, they can't even sit down properly, right? They're like, oh, I'm going to slowly sit down, right? Like, I'm not going back to gym, the gym because my muscles need to, to relax. They need to like rest, you see, I think about God's grace is that we're not aware of it, that we don't see it all the time, that we don't actually see it in action in our own lives and people around us. Some of the best meetings I've had this past year have been with you guys for coffee, hearing about what God's doing in your own lives. Like, that's incredible to see God at work, but we have to be asking those questions. That's why community groups matter, to see God at work in people's lives, in community, to say, you know, it was a hard year, but God got me through this year. There's a passage I reflect on every year. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I want to talk a little bit about searching for rhythm of God's grace, but searching for his presence this year. How can we as a church, how can we at Live Free search for God's presence this year? It's Psalm 139, verse 1 to 24. And I want kind of three points just that one that we can't escape God's presence. This presence is a threat, but his presence produces in us immense joy. Let's read this passage. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. 
You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, and I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, the bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred and consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Hmm. I love this passage. I love this whole psalm. It talks so much about God's presence. The first point is it, it talks about God's presence is inescapable. See, the first three stanzas, verse 1 to 6, 7 to 12, 13 to 18, show how God ultimately surrounds us. If you open your Bibles and look through that, that God surrounds us, that you can't escape his presence. That verse 1 to 6 shows us that his knowledge surrounds us. The David the poet gets across to people. There's polarities. That, that whether you're sleeping or active, whether you're at home or traveling, God is there. The second part talks about how he perceives our thoughts. And the third part is how he's familiar with all our ways, which is our behavior. See, he knows everything about us on the inside and the outside. God knows everything about you. See, when you and I look at the things around us, it's so easy for us to only see the things on the outside. Right? It's, only, it's pretty easy for us to see what someone's doing or or how they act, but we don't actually ask the internal dialogue of what, what's going on in your heart? <laughs> what's captured your attention? What motivates you? Why do you do that? Remember my kids when they were really little, you say these really great words, why? One word, why, Dad? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? It's like, okay, can you stop asking why I do that? 
This is, a, this is the way I make my coffee. This is the way I've made my coffee for years. <laughs> it's like a ritual, routine. Do you have people in your life who sometimes say to you, what are you thinking? Maybe it's a spouse, a friend, who says, what are you thinking right now? Because we can't discern what someone's thinking or, or, or what their, their thoughts are behind the behaviors or the reactions. But God knows all of it. He's all-knowing. It says in verse 4, before words on, on my tongue, he knows it completely. You see, God sees everything and we only see a little tiny slice. Maybe you see yourself as young or you see yourself as old, but God sees all of you. He sees every part of you, Linda, or Levi, or Victoria, or Rain, and Emma. He sees all of you. You see, God knows who you are. and His presence is inescapable. That's why we're planting a church in Kelowna, because we think that there's 100,000 people that are not aware of God's presence. That God is present in people's lives. He knows what you infinitely need more than, than you. Someone in the lobby just talked about how they're, they're fasting from coffee, and I was talking about how I'm fasting from Amazon, that God knows what I really deeply need more than Amazon knows. But those ads, they know what I want, right? <laughs> the first day I'm not on Amazon, it's like they'll email me a couple days later and go, you have this in your cart. Can you check it out? I'm not checking it out. <laughs> You see, God knows what you infinitely need more than what you think you need. Think of all the things you think you need this year, the resolutions we have, the goals we have. God knows what you need because he knows you. His presence is inescapable. We have this great statement that comes across in our core value in our church, and it shows us, it says here, the gospel is, is we believe that God redeems us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we're a people changed by this message. It affects the way we live work, and play. You see, as a church, I hope that what this means for us this year is that we grow spiritually, that we grow numerically, but that we're growing in God's grace this year in 2022. But I hope ultimately that we see, I see, our need for the gospel. You want to know the best evangelism for Kelowna? Is show people your need for Jesus. Right? We can have all the great programs and all the great little ways to reach people in Kelowna, but if you're not willing to show people how God's actually working in your own life, like why are we inviting people to this? We want to see a God who's actually at work in people's lives, in the good and the hard times. I think when I, when I look back on my life in my 20s, I thought the gospel, right, the good news of Jesus Christ, was a one-time moment way over here when I became a Christian. And I'm actually realizing over and over and over again that actually I need Jesus every single day to show up. <laughs> that the hardest person to lead, lead at Live Free Church is the person who wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror. That's the hardest person to lead in this place because I have sinful, broken behavior that needs to be changed and, and redeemed by Jesus. 
You see, I hope that you wouldn't see the gospel as a one-time moment in your life, but you'd see it as a, as a continuous, ongoing peace that all of our lives are repentance. As Luther famously said, that all of our lives are constantly being worked out every single day, that we need Jesus more and more and more and more. And we can't escape his presence, as the psalmist says in 139. But it shows us in this passage that God's presence is a radical threat. Right? It starts off with that God knows all of our thoughts. He knows all of our ways. But right away, the psalmist, what does he want to do? He actually wants to escape from it. It's almost like burdensome. It's, it's overbearing. How can we be with a God who knows everything about us? It's a radical threat. Verse 6, it says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It looks so positive, but actually moves in this way to say it's too wonderful, it's too lofty. It's almost like the circuits are exploding in his brain. How could he comprehend a God who knows him and loves him? It's like this all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing God loves David, the psalmist. It almost feels like a blanket that's smothering him, suffocating him. Then he moves on to verse 7 and says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? See, like it's almost like an all-out rebellion. Doesn't it show so often for us? This is like our journey. We be aware of God's presence. And the moment later, we're like we're running away in the opposite direction. Like, God, we are, we can't do this. I can't live the way you want me to live. I can't be the person you want me to be. You don't know the things I'm afraid of, the things I'm fearful of. You don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. You don't know about my resolutions. <laughs> you see, so often we're just like David in this, that we can be aware of God's presence, and right away we want us to flee from it. We have this great statement, one of our visions, our values for live free. It says this, the city has a potential for human flourishing, but human idolatry. And that we want to use the gospel to really restore and redeem the culture that we live in. What does that mean? It means that, guess what? When you follow Jesus, it threatens all the things in your life, all the little ways, all the things that, that you hold dearly to. It threatens the way you're going to raise your kids in a public school in Kelowna. It changes the way you think about money sex and power. It changes all those things in your life. See, David's saying is, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's showing, he's saying that actually it's way too much for me. I can't handle it. That God's presence is inescapable, but it's a threat when you experience it, when you truly experience it, it's a threat because it uproots an idol in your life, which is a very like Reformed Baptist way of just saying that anything that you make the ultimate thing in your life becomes like the, the idol, the thing that captures you, holds you, moves you, motivates you. It could be such a great thing, like working out or family or having a child or retirement, whatever it is can become the thing that ultimately you want to bring satisfaction to your life. 
But what the psalmist is saying here is that you, can't, you cannot escape his presence, but also God's presence is a threat. And the last thing is that God's presence produces joy. You see in verse 11, 12, in the translation it says here, the truth of the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. You see, what he's saying here is this, this word darkness, for us, it doesn't mean just turn the lights off. For the psalmist, for David, what it means is suffering, danger, possibility of death, terrible disease. See, darkness was a time of absolute terror, and some of us may face that in 2022, because 2021 was pretty tricky. But here's the thing, when you plunge into the darkness, you often, I often feel like I'm lost. No one's going to ever understand how I feel or what I'm going to go through. No one's going to ever empathize my life. What the psalmist says in 139 is, in the danger and the possibility of death, of uncertainty, of terrible disease, of darkness, of times of terror, you have to realize that God has you by the hand that he has you, that he's for you, that he's with you. You have a God who's absolutely present in these hard moments, in the dark moments. See, this year I want us to be a church that's aware of God's presence. Not just to see it as a threat to our lives, but to see the joy that it produces in our lives when we're searching for God's grace. We're searching for the unforced rhythms of grace in our lives. Every year around this time, I ask a couple questions to myself. And uh, one of my favorite books, um, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, it's called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And it's a great book by a guy named Peter Cesario. And um, there's some reflection questions he has on, on ways where Christians, he believes, should be asking questions about searching for God's grace, about growing in the depth of of Jesus this year. And I love these questions because they're, and he says, when you, when you ask these questions, right, you want to kind of like not rate yourself, but it's just a good barometer of like where you're at spiritually. And so you put like one, two, three, four, five, just mark, kind of mark your, where you're at. And we'll post these online. But here's one of the questions I ask every year. I love for us as a church to ask is as we're searching, as we're trying to build rhythms of grace this year for you, for me, for our church, the first one is, I feel confident of my adoption as God's son or daughter and rarely, if ever, question his acceptance of me. That's the first question. The second one is, I love to worship God by myself as well as with others. I spend regular quality time in the word of God and in prayer. I sense the unique ways God has gifted me individually and I'm actively using my spiritual gifts for his service. I'm a vital participant in the community with other believers. It is clear that my money, gifts, time, abilities are completely at God's disposal and not my own. I consistently integrate my faith in the marketplace and the world. <laughs> Interesting, right? Like how many of us 
in this church or in any church we've ever been a part of have asked this question when we're talking about New Year's resolutions to say, who do you want to become in Christ this year? <laughs> do you want to become more secure in our adoption as God's, God's beloved daughter or son? Do I want to show God that it, all of the things I have, my house, my resources, my time, my money, my treasure, everything is His. Do I want to serve the church like I've never served before? Do I want to be connected in community? You see, it gets back down to the end of the psalm where the psalmist says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. Another translation says, Knows my ways. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. I'll bring the band back up here as I close this out. But I'd be, hopefully, I'd, I would love for us to be a church that asks this question this week and for the weeks to follow, that God would search my heart, search our heart. Is there any offensive way in us? Is there anything that we need to uproot this year? Is there anything that we need to change? Is there any way we need to serve or give or be a part of a community? Is there a way that we actually want to grow in Jesus this year? And it's not just by being passive. It's actually by being active. It's about desiring more and more of Jesus this year. I pray that we'd see the gospel as so compelling and captivating. That you be in your homes, in your days, and just be so overwhelmed by the grace of God. That's nothing you can earn or achieve, but just so freely receive. I pray it change you so deeply that in our last value of our church, we want to be a movement, that we want to reach as many people possible at all costs, that you would see your life as a mission in Kelowna, not just as this church, but you'd actually want to see Kelowna reached for the gospel in brand new ways. I'm excited for what God's doing in our church. But I pray that we would ask this question to God, that God, would, would you search me? Would you look at my life? Is there anything that, that grieves you? That would you lead me today, this year, to the way of everlasting life in you? Let's pray. God, I love that you are present right here with us. Father, would you make us aware of you? Father, would you show us the things that we've made ultimate in our lives? And would you produce immense joy in us this, this year, today, that we look at ways we can serve you or love you, not as ways to earn your favor, Lord, but would we Just have it as a response to your love and grace in our own lives. Search us. Know our hearts. Show us the things that grieve you. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.